Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 46 of the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers. My name is Matt, and joining me on the cast today are my two stupendous co-hosts, Miss Tiffany B. Hello. And Dan. Ladies. We appreciate y'all joining us again for episode 46. In case you forgot or you don't know, you can find us on places like Facebook by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers. We actually have a really nice surge in our Facebook community. So we're going to make sure that we take care of you all over there and uh, post our content, have a conversation. You can always shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Join us over at the BGG Guild, number 2077. All kinds of fun conversation happening there as well. Find us on YouTube for our live show recordings or TIFF's Ask Inept Gamer segments and her board game uh, blender board of education segments. Lots of good stuff over there. And you can find us on places like Twitter and Instagram. Episode 46 is going to be a good one. We are going to talk failed and flipped because Dan and Tiff have been doing some trading. We officially have our winners for the contest that we have been running. Excited to get to that. And then we will be chatting a little bit about Origins 2016 because it is right around the corner. Before we do any of that, we are going to start by chatting about what we've been playing. I'm going to pause. Dan, did you have something to say? I just had a joke. <laughs> Not a joke, but a comment. What you, what you got? No, are, we, are we ready? No. <laughs> He's saving it. He's holding it. <laughs> no, I'm not it. saving it. No, I was just, I was going to say, like, I've, I've noticed, like, why do podcasters say at the beginning of the show that this is going to be a good episode? Is it like wishful thinking? It's to lull the audience into a false sense of security. Yeah. Yeah, I get that. It's, uh, yeah. My goal it's just funny. is to deliver the intro so fast that they just believe everything they hear. So I put that in there. They're just like, oh, That's, yeah, okay, okay, yeah, oh, great show, cool. And then they just subconsciously, they're they're here, they're with us. I, it's just something I noticed listening to other podcasts and radio shows. It's like, it's going to be a great show for you. I'm like, oh, I don't think we're going to be the judge of that. I think they are. I want our listeners to have one less thing to worry about. They don't have to worry about whether or not this is great. They can just assume. Trust me. I trust you, Matt. <clears throat> I think it's going to be a great show, too. Let's see if you do our listeners justice, because we're going to talk a little bit about what we've been playing. And I'm going to start with you then to see if they're getting their money's worth. So what have you been playing? This is going to be a terrible show. <laughs> <laughs> well... Uh, you want me to start? Fine. Um, let's let's get cutesy and let's talk animals on board. Uh, this is been in the news recently. It was released from Stronghold in uh, cooperation with Eggert Spiel. And this has been uh, not nominated, but it was on the recommended list for the Spiel des Jahres. So I wanted to check it out. It was $30 retail. It's got cutesy little art. And I thought, why not? You know? So I uh, picked this up and this is basically a game of set collection, but it utilizes a really kind of neat twist on the I split you choose mechanism. So there's all these different animals in the world and you are an owner of an ark. So think Noah, but not Noah. So this, I was Dan's ark. This is a ridiculous theme. <laughs> it's just as biblical. There are multiple arcs. There are in this fictional box. You know, the, the story of Noah and his competitors <laughs> that were all building arcs at the same time. Exactly. Duh. Um, so anyways, you're trying to collect animals to put on your arc. Um, and the way it works is there's, I think in total, there's 12 different species. And there are five tiles in each of the different species. So one through five. And depending on the number of players you'll play with, so many of those. But what happens is there's a, a set amount based on the player count in the middle of the table. 
And on your turn, you can do one of two things. You can split the animals into groups or, or a group. Okay. So if there's, say there's 10 tiles on the table, I could make a group of four and six, or I can make a group of three and seven or five and five. It's up to you how you split it. But then you have on the table, let's say I broke it into five and five. Then you have two groups of five and five. So on Tiff's turn, if Tiff wanted to split what's in the middle, she would have to split one of the groups of five into four and one, two and three, however she wanted to do it. And when you do this, you take what's called a food crate, which is basically money in this game. The second thing you can do is you can purchase one of the groups. So you can lure, it's thematically you are luring that group of animals using your food crates. So if there's a group of two, you could spend two food crates to take those two animals onto your arc. Okay. And that's the end of your round. Once you do that, the round continues until the other players have both um, bought something or the last person has taken his action. And then the middle refills back up to that set number. And you keep doing this. You keep doing this until somebody's arc has at least 10 animals. Okay. And after that, you go to final scoring. Really simple game, like extremely simple. Um, the way scoring works, though, it's kind of a little twist on set collection. So single animals in your arc. So if I just had one alligator, they are worth the face value. So remember I said they're numbered one through five. So single animals could be worth one through five. Uh, pairs of animals are stolen by Noah. So akin to the old biblical story, he likes pairs of animals. So if you have a pair of animals, they leave your ship and don't count towards scoring. After that, any groups of three to five are worth five times the number of animals in that group. So if I had five alligators, that's 25 points, okay? And you'll just tally up your score based on the animals in your arc, and the winner is the person with the highest score. Really, really simple game. You can teach it in like three minutes, and you can play it in like 10 to 15. Um, I had a chance to play this at two-player and three-player. Uh, I much prefer it with three player. Um, I thought the the splitting and the choosing was much more interesting. The decisioning was a lot tougher because you get into that kind of you get it. You look at what's on the board um, and you kind of have that thought process of, oh, I know Matt's already got an ape, so I'm not going to form a group with two apes that he could potentially buy because I see he has three food crate kind of thing. So and I don't want to take this group of, you know, an alligator a donkey and a panda because I've already got a panda an alligator and a donkey. And who knows, I might not be able to get that third one. So it's a little bit of a risk reward in what you choose, because like I said, pairs don't get scored. So you're either scoring on singles or three plus. So it's, it's a really cool little dynamic um, in how you choose what's getting split and when to split and when to buy and maybe save up for your next round, all kinds of little decisions. But again, they're all not horribly difficult and as i mentioned the game can be explained relatively quickly and played relatively quickly so i enjoyed it at the higher player count when matt and i played two player it was cool but the interaction wasn't there as far as how many people were splitting and choosing in the middle it was much better with the three player game and i can imagine it's even more fun with four so all in all for the price tag this is a game i think you can get online for like 16 bucks it's well worth that at the 30 dollars retail price tag i you know if you've got a, a a casual gaming group or you play a lot with your family or some younger players i think it's a really good really good intro game i think tiff you could probably get this into your gaming group fairly easy as far as like you know complexity and scale of difficulty that's animals on board. Get on board. Get on board. Maybe. I was also thinking about this for uh, the potential 
fifth grade board game club that I might be running. Uh, and I thought about you, Tiff, because I think that this would probably fit well. It really is. I wasn't impressed with the two player per se. And yet the game as I was driving home, because it was the last game we played, it stuck with me for some reason. I was like, oh, you know, I kind of did like that. I like I split you choose. I think that's kind of a fun mechanic to toy with. And I think the $30 price tag is really that production value because you have these nice 3D arcs that are actually like trays. You have nice tiles. I mean, it, it makes the sense. The art's really well done. Yeah, the art's nice. I see why it's at that price point. I think at anything lower than 30 it's a steal. I would say go for it if you have a light game group, if you have family gaming, if you have gaming with kids. It really is fun. It's There's not a lot to it. I don't know how much longevity you're going to get out of it. But if you're a family gamer, if you're a lighter gamer, or you like to have something on hand, that's what I was thinking, like having it as a filler on hand. I think that it really is a good choice. I put it on par with like a Sushi Go, something you can just pull out, play. Anyone can learn it. It plays less than Sushi Go. It only plays four, but it's it really fits that 15-minute time slot. Yeah, yeah, I think it's good. Tiff, is this on your radar at all? Um, I saw it. It's on my radar now. Yeah, I wasn't thinking much of it at first, but... That theme is hard to swallow. And I already yeah. have a Noah game. It's a strange theme, but you really don't feel it while you're playing. The The only reason we really felt it is because it was funny to think about Noah. Dan described it as stealing. I don't remember re- reading that it was Noah is stealing, but they definitely leave in pairs. So well, it, I mean, as long as they're not neighbors, because the commandment is thou shalt not steal from thy neighbor. So as long as you live down the street from Noah, you're okay. So the, the theme is a little goofy, but anybody, you know, you could teach the game is just it's animals. It, you're collecting animals for whatever reason. It's not really... It, think of it as like Colorado or not Colorado, Azularetto. Sorry. Same kind of idea. Like you're collecting animals to put in your, except in this case, you're not putting them in captivity and they're not stealing children and getting shot. You're saving them from God's wrath. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. And we know how that story ends. So actually you as the arc constructor are very unsuccessful, I assume, because I think we know who came out on top in that competition. It, <laughs> it wasn't Dan, the, the arc builder. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I only won once. <laughs> <laughs> Gotcha. Perfect. Uh, Tiff, you, you, I recently found out or realized that this is more of a family show than originally thought. So you're not allowed to read what you wrote in the show notes, but tell me what you've been playing. Oh, um, well, I've been playing Waterdeep on my iPhone. Still, still doing that. That's a game. I did D and D. That's, that's also a game. I, I feel like you should talk about your experience. I'd love to hear it. <laughs> I feel like you have a vested interest in my experience as the DM, but... I no. don't. <laughs> okay, so I'll t- I guess I'll talk about that. Started D&D for the first time. It was pretty awkward. <laughs> I felt really awkward. I didn't want to talk, which is kind of a problem. And it, it was it reminded me a lot of the first board game convention that I went to, where I was just kind of like, yeah, I'm going to have to do something, and I don't want to do anything. <laughs> so I was, it was really uncomfortable for a while, and then I had a glass of wine, and it was a little bit better. But <laughs> there you go. We did it. <laughs> we made it through. I'm playing a dwarf wizard, of, of course, because that's what you do. I pick the most optimal no, build. Nobody does that. I know, right? And essentially my character is just me. So that made it easier because I just react the way I would react to any given situation. I don't really have to filter it through like what would she do because she is me. Yeah, I just anything I pose towards Tiff, she would just 
she would hesitate as a as a human being and i would just say oh i guess your character's just standing there and she'd be like yeah i guess she's just standing there awkwardly so you know it plays in well it's always nice to have a strange dwarf presence I blew up some goblins. I thought that was kind of fun. I used my stone cunning. I, you know, I did things. Yeah. How did you feel about it from a game standpoint? What is stone cunning? Like you're knowledgeable in geology? What is that? That is actually exactly what it is. Seriously? (laughs) Stone cunning is how they put geology. As a dwarf, I know things inherently about stonework. I'm just saying, like, why did they try to make it sound cooler than it is? Because it is cool. Tiff. Tiff, um, we're going to need you to look at some rocks. Oh, you mean my stone cunning? Uh, Let me use my stone cunning. It it was very cunning of me because we figured our way through this cave because of my stone cunning. Because I knew what the chambers were all about because stone cunning. Bam. I didn't know she had it and she whipped it out and rolled like a 25. I was like, all right, I guess you know a whole bunch of stuff. (laughs) So congrats, Tiff. That was very gratifying. Yeah. I don't know. I realize that I can't play this like a game, and, and that that's kind of the... It's not a game. <laughs> no, this is real, Tiff. Stone cunning ain't a joke. I mean, it's storytelling, which means I'm going to have to interact with the other players at some point. Haven't really had to very much yet. Just say you're looking at the rocks on the ground <laughs> at all times. Like, usually if Matt asks me what I'm doing, I'm like, I'm ignoring them. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Tiff, what are you doing in this situation? She's like, I'm looking at the door quietly. Just be an emo dwarf. Yeah. It's kind of my deal. So, I don't know. I had fun. I, I think I think the other people that we're playing with, their characters are so incredibly over the top that it, it's fine. I I balance it out. Kinsetta's so. playing a lovely performer, uh, so she's very high energy. Uh, there's a strange... Craig is a strange, uh, like, 13 or 14-year-old monk, so he's weird and peppy and runs around. And Dan, the other Dan, is just... He's a religious zealot. <laughs> yeah, he's just a religious stilt in the sense that he has no idea what God he's praising. And he walks around screaming random things. It, it was a good makeup. I, I thought it was fun. But I was interested particularly in how you how you truly felt, Tiff. Well, real me doesn't know how to react to any of those three people. <laughs> so that's kind of how the game went when we played. I'm like, I don't know how to deal with any of you. So I'll just be over here. That's gonna that's gonna be my shtick. But yeah, I I had fun. It was good. I felt like something was accomplished at the end of it. So, you know, in that sense it's a game like you finish a game and you feel like you've done something. So I had fun. Cool. Well, I'll try again. I then. hope you could tell. We'll we'll somehow manage to get Brother Dan in there at some point. You, I'm not playing D and D. You can come in, you could be like an NPC guy or something like you can just get be a guest star tiff rolls a perception check and from the depths of the cave you hear ladies (laughs) and then stone dan comes out (laughs) and tiff says i knew you were there the whole time my cunning (laughs) (laughs) yeah i was not prepared for this all right all right. Well, let's go ahead. We'll we'll get back on track. I will uh, transfer from the stone conversation by tying Mexica in, which is a game that I recently played with Steve and uh, Smee. This is an area control game that was recently reprinted by Yellow, I believe. Do I have that right? And it is a lavishly produced game. Uh, 
I think that everything with the look of the game is really cool because the point of the game is to use these river tiles and you're laying tiles to section off areas of the map. And by doing that, you create zones, which you then try to area control. And the way you area control is to build your temples in those areas. And there are four different sizes of temples. You have little one temples up to big four stack temples. And for every level of temple you have built in an area, that's one point towards control. And you're trying to control the areas to score points at these different scoring rounds. So I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, You can do some crazy maneuvering where you're you're jumping from bridges in a certain way. Uh, It's got good jockeying for position across multiple rounds that allow you to uh, get different numbers and different sizes sizes of temples so you can kind of you're not out just because you don't score well in the first scoring round there's there's a chance to come back i think that the biggest thing for me though is that while i like mexico and would love to own it because i think it's a successful area control game the price tag is 80 dollars, and that ties into the really nice chunky components all the temples are this um I assume it's like a composite plastic or something, but it's got like this nice weighted, almost kind of like rock feel the way that they've molded it, um, like a clay kind of thing. Um, You get lots of nice pieces. Everything's really nice in terms of artwork and um, big, lavishly made board. So I, I really enjoyed the game. It's just such a barrier to entry with this price point. Like the, it's not a game that's worth that much. And I understand why it's priced at that. But, you know, there are many more successful games that are priced much lower. And I think that that's a shame because it's going to prohibit a lot of people from getting in on this really cool area control game. Is there screwage in that game? I vaguely remember like looking at that game at some point and thinking, ooh, I don't think I could handle it. There is. I think it might have been Dan. It might have been Steve. I don't remember who made the comparison. A little bit kind of like Tigris and Euphrates. It's not quite like that in the sense that you're not uh the scoring is different but there's definite uh i move into your area and i drop a bunch of temples and take your points and like jockeying back and forth in this it's not so confrontational as something like tigers and euphrates but it's definitely got that feel it's definitely more interactive than like a it's not your average soulless euro kind of thing there's a lot of area control games are kind of like that typically though you know it's inherently kind of screwy because you've got to take control from other people I would say it's probably in the middle of in terms of uh, aggressiveness for the area control games that I've played, but it's definitely there. There's definitely the funniest thing is that you build these bridges which allow you to cross rivers. Otherwise, you can't cross over rivers. You can build temples in front of the bridges so that you can't walk across. Of course, we figured that out about turn two. And if you look at the picture I posted on Instagram, you can see that every bridge on the map has a temple in front of it. So we just, I mean, we definitely took advantage of the ability to screw each other over. Yuck. Sounds frustrating. Yeah, it it wasn't bad, but I I like the game, like I said, but um, definitely things to consider. It's it's a little take that and it's expensive as crap. So, (laughs) but anyway, moving forward to something a little bit more affordable, Dan, you played another lighter style game, Sea of Clouds. Yeah, I wasn't sure if I talked about this already, but I don't think I did. Um, So, yeah, Matt, Steve, and I played one night. Um, Sea of Clouds was something I saw, not demoed, but I briefly saw it kind of laid out at the New York Toy Fair when I was talking to the yellow guys one afternoon. And it's really pretty. Um, The art is really cool. And you play the role of like the sea pirate or these cloud pirates of some sort, and you're going around trying to collect crew and treasure to be the most notorious sea pirate or something cloud pirate some pirate 
sea of clouds is confusing me so it's sea of clouds so you're a sky pirate not a sea pirate um the game essentially is a uh, like a pressure luck drafting game in a way so um again this is yellow and the price price point's pretty good i think it's like 35 bucks it's mainly just comprised of cards but like i said the art is really good and i liked that about it but the way the game works is so there's three three treasure loot piles right and what you can do on your turn is you can look at the first pile and if you want those cards you take them and then you replenish that first pile if you don't want the cards in the first pile you put them back and you draw another card and put it on top of that pile so it then increases the value of that pile potentially there's more cards in that pile and then you move on to the second pile you look at the second pile if you like those cards there's either one two or three in that pile you take it and put them in your tableau if not you draw another card and put it on top of that making that pile bigger then you go into the third pile if you like that same thing if you don't like the third pile you draw whatever the top card blindly off the top of the deck is okay um so it's a, like i said it's a little pressure lock like you look at that first pile and you're like "Ooh, this is a decent pile for what i'm kind of trying to do but let's see what's in the second one so you could get greedy um after a while, you start to know what's in some of the piles, especially after people have passed them up multiple times. And there becomes a point where it's like, oh, this pile's better than maybe not this, you know, all kinds of little factors to weigh in. But the, the scoring basically takes place in that there's like these artifacts and these treasures and these bottles of rum and then these crew. So every couple of rounds, you've collected this crew. You're going to fight your neighbors, quote, fight. Um, think of like Seven Wonders where you're fighting your neighbor on your left and your neighbor on your right with this abstract total number of crew. Whoever wins gets to activate their special abilities of their crew, blah, blah, blah. But that's that was neat. But at the end of the game, you're basically collecting like sets of treasures you're collecting rum to get the most of it there's end game cards that give you points for x or y um, a whole bunch of little options i actually i actually enjoyed it i was i was tempted to buy it but the game store had it on demo copy um, so we decided to pull it out it's really quick to learn um, pretty easy to play it took us probably about maybe 30 or 40 minutes to play it first time through and that was stopping to look things up and things like that but i thought it was a i thought it was a cool little take on drafting again with that little pressure luck element added into it so uh, nothing over the top didn't like blow my mind but I, I i did enjoy my play of it i was surprised by it i didn't think much was going to come of it i had looked at it and put it down and looked at it and put it down because the artwork's really nice it draws the attention it's in that um the small square style box that yellow has as one of their sizes. And I, I really liked the drafting mechanism and the push your luck. I thought like picking up the cards, do I like them? Yes or no. Put them back down, add a card if we need to. I thought that that worked really well. My biggest concern would be if I bought it, how much, how many plays am I going to get out of it? Only because in a three player game, I think we went through almost all of the deck, which meant that we saw, we saw all the cards. So no surprises and some weird combinations where where we all went like three different directions and the the game facilitated that where we didn't actually step on each other's toes at all which was interesting but kind of weird at the same time where steve went all one strategy dan went all one strategy i went all one strategy we ended up i went rum dan went rum and wasn't that the game that we ended one point apart right yeah it was 64 63 62 yeah. at the end which is kind of i mean kudos for a balance you know for 
after one play, a seemingly balanced game. It just seemed after playing, I was like, okay, I liked that. That was fun. But, you know, four or five plays down the road, am I still going to like the $35 price tag that I would spend on it? I, I don't know. I'm up in the air on that. But I think that if it ever goes on sale or whatever it's on for uh, cool stuff, I'd pay attention to that. You said up in the air because you're a cloud pirate. Uh, see, I got jokes. Uh, see, both of these sound like up my alley, which is weird that Dan's playing them. But right? uh, which one is better? Animals on board or Sea of Clouds? Wait, wait a minute. You say we usually line up. So why is it weird that I like We this? line up, but you don't willingly choose to play light games usually. If I read Matt's list. I love drafting. And your games. list, this I do too. That's why I'm curious. Which one is better? Uh, hmm, I think that Sea of Clouds. Well, I don't know. I think you'd get more use out of animals on board. Yeah, I, I agree. think it's more versatile. And I think... It would be better. Like you could play it with your group and with your board game group. I think Sea of Clouds probably outside of the pirate theme. I'm not sure. Again, I don't know because I don't run a middle school board game club. That's your specialty. But I don't I don't think the intricacies of that were as intuitive like, as the animals on board. And it might take a little bit more to get the kids into that one um, because it, it took me matt and steve a couple rounds before we finally got the gist of it and what we were supposed to be doing and collecting and stuff like that and there was a lot of a lot of synergies that had to play out between the different cards that you were looking for and like i said i think animals on board in your instance well it is summer and i'm gonna have to play board games with adults again well i think that animals on board will work for like a a feature game for your club and then a filler game for your group. I think that Sea of Clouds would probably only fit in with your group and you may you may move on from it. I feel like Animals on Board, you might be like, yeah, let's just putz around with this for 15 minutes. Like every other game night, you might be breaking it out. Okay. So I think you get more out of Animals on Board personally. Yeah. And it's cheaper. But I want to be a cloud pirate. Well, that's cool. It's, yeah, like Matt said, that's one that I would pay attention to when it inevitably goes on sale, but I'm I'm in no rush to grab it. Yeah, we are fortunate enough to have a demo copy float around, though, at the game store. So, um, All right, Tiff, let's broach the real topic, the hard-hitting board game journalism. Uh, so you've been playing a lot of games. You've been loving life, playing Waterdeep online. You've been playing D&D with me, and uh, you bought a dog stroller. Yeah, I put that in the show notes. <laughs> I was on a school trip to Disney World, so I haven't played any games. It's been crazy. So, yeah, instead I bought a dog stroller because my my old man Kingsley can't get around anymore. And, <laughs> and he needs to go on walks, but, like, walking down to the end of our block and back is kind of boring. So I looked into it, researched heavily to get the best deal on a dog stroller, and then I purchased one that I will be using. How does a dro- dog stroller work? Is it like a baby stroller? It's exactly like a baby stroller, except except for like instead of seatbelt stuff, there's just like a little place where you can clip on a leash. So how does that benefit your dog who needs to walk? Here's how it works. We load up Kingsley in the dog stroller, most likely along with a bunch of my photography gear. And then I push him out to the park slash little like wildlife reserve area that I live by. And then I let him out and he walks for a little while until he gets tired. And I put him back in. I walk around, take some pictures. And then, you know, I can let him out periodically and still have a good time. And he can see some new scenery. Bam, right. dog stroller. That's that's fair, I suppose. I like yeah. the idea that you said, I haven't been playing games, so I bought a, dro- a dog stroller. That's your replacement activity. 
<laughs> instead. <clears throat> well, you know, I have several hobbies, but my dogs are important too. <laughs> so right. I I wonder if I'm going to feel really stupid walking him around in a stroller, but we're going to find out on Monday. Maybe I'll film it. So put you it on the YouTube channel. <laughs> <laughs> and so Dan, when are you going to buy a leash for your human? We'll just do everything backwards on this show. They make those. I mean, don't they make the little backpack and you can put them on a leash? Yeah, that looks barbaric. Oh, I see me. it at the zoo all the time. It's adorable. Well, that's so your kid doesn't fall in an ape pit. Oh, too soon. Uh, that's the second time I've made an ape joke on this show. If you missed the topical. first one, go back and find Is it. There's Very some sort topical. Of ape incident that I'm missing. I don't know. You Biff. missed the Cincinnati Zoo ape Come incident? Come on. Oh, it's even in Ohio. Of We're course it's in Ohio. Wait a minute. Were, were you that engaged in dog strollers <laughs> that you missed, like... <laughs> The national news? So I haven't been playing games or watching the news because I bought a dog stroller. I don't watch the news. And I've been waiting for it to arrive. So this poor little kid fell into the gorilla pit. Oh, God. And the gorilla, I, I don't know, you know, there's two sides of the story. Yes. I'm, not, I'm not taking there's either side. There's controversy. The video, the gorilla appears to be, like, dragging the kid around the river. So they shot the gorilla to save the little boy because they were afraid. I don't think it was a, ma- a female gorilla either. No, it was a male. That may have been different. Like, the male gorilla seemed like it was trying to, like, defend his territory. And they killed the gorilla. So now it's, like, a big debate whether they should have killed the gorilla. Could they have just tranked it? With There's all these, like, you know, you could take whatever side you want. Uh. You know, personally, if it's my kid, I'm, yeah, shoot the gorilla. It's my kid. But... Um, I understand both sides of the story. I'm not going to take a side. But that's the national news, Tiff. Wow, that hurts my heart. I'm glad we're finishing up on that. Gorillas aside, we take no sides. The podcast of Nonsensical Gamers has no official stance on the gorilla shooting at the Cincinnati Zoo. What we do have a stance on is the fact that Tiff is out of touch because she's buying dog strollers. So (laughs) that's our official stance. If anybody asks. Maybe that gorilla wouldn't be so aggressive if he had better parents and they walked him in a gorilla stroller. Ah, they should have put him in a stroller. Yeah. See, I just love my dog. That's all. I'm willing to forego the embarrassment of walking a dog around in a stroller. I realize it's ridiculous, but I love my dog. And it's not cool. Our block is very boring. He deserves to walk on grass. (laughs) I just find it funny because you've mentioned numerous times to be embarrassed by less embarrassing things yeah. in the past <laughs> like you played a game with some friends not embarrassing. and you were embarrassed but you also bought a dro- dog stroller and you're just going for it <laughs> yeah it's cool tiff that's, i support your I dog, stroller. dog okay Jeez. awesome so post your pictures of your dog to twitter and instagram and at the bgg guild number 2077 <laughs> All right, let's go ahead and move on to failed and flipped. No break required. Tiff and Dan, you guys have been doing some trading. I have been less successful. So let's chat about what you got rid of and what you got in return and how you're feeling about all that. Tiff, we will go ahead and start with you. Have since you, you ever have been, traded? Have I ever traded? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, occasionally, I, yeah. All right. No, no not really. Ever. You're just really slacking off on the whole trading thing. Anyway, I traded a lot of things this week. And it was weird because it was all on the same day that I got all the replies. I had sent out a whole bunch of geek mails to people like, hey, trade this for this. I just, I want to clear off my shelves. So I'm trying to make big game trades for smaller game trades. That didn't 100% work out, but at least I'm getting some new stuff on the shelves. I traded Biblios for um, Mafia de Cuba, which might seem strange. Todd Todd just rolled over. Poor Todd. Stop listening. That's his favorite game. 
Yeah, okay. Biblios is boring. I don't care what Todd says. You traded it for a party game. Listen, (laughs) it's summer and Strings Camp is coming up. And it's my job every summer to bring a new party game to the mix. So I like Mafia de Cuba generally as a party game. So I'm bringing it. I traded Biblios, which I haven't played in years because it's boring. So, Do you think Mafia de Cuba is school appropriate? It's not. But it's not for kids. I'm playing it with the adult directors oh. of my camp. Okay. Do you ever listen when I talk? I very rarely. I'm usually shopping for dog strollers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I could give you some tips on that. Anyway, <laughs> um, I also traded Paydirt and My Happy Farm for... Oh, now I forgot. Mm. Give me one second. I have to look this it up. This is bad radio, too. Listen, I had it written down, and I lost the page that I wrote Good it down. I like the tagline about unprofessionalism. Mm. <laughs> it just gives me time to go research a cane for my parakeet. Okay. Oh, I know. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, that's great imagery. <laughs> go ahead, Tiff. Go ahead. Okay. Go Let's ahead, get Tiff. serious. So I traded Pater and My Happy Farm for Arena Roma 2, which I've been Interesting. Wanting. Yeah, okay. that's been on my list for a long time. And um, don't like Pater and My Happy Farm. Oh, and I got some money, too, some cash in that trade. Yep. So I'm trading one, two boxes for one box and some cash. And I, I was happy with that. I traded Flock. Yes. Very happy to get rid of Flock. I hope one of our listeners didn't trade with you for that. Oh, sorry, buddy. You're getting a bad game. But I might be getting a bad game, too. So it's okay. I'm getting Deadwood, which I had never heard of. But it's called Deadwood. And you know how I feel about Deadwood. Is it an IP game? No. Oh, okay. It's just a game called Deadwood. I researched it very minimally and can't tell you a thing about it. (laughs) But you're, you got rid of Flock, so you're it's happy. It's still better than Flock. <laughs> um, and then I also traded Kraftwagen. You did. Uh, Goodbye, Kraftwagen. Well, I'm sorry. It was ruined for me. I'm never going to play it again. Also, it's probably not that great uh, for Rococo. Yeah, well, yeah. see, there you go. Dan forgives you. Yeah. Yeah, I think we can all say that that's a good trade. Plus, you can buy the Stronghold edition of Kraftwagen soon for like 20 bucks. With the V6 expansion. I won't be doing that. That's a be- that's a legit trade. Why would you trade Rococo for Kraftwagen? Yeah, I, I mean, some people want to play Kraftwagen and haven't played it and maybe haven't heard the Kraftwag. It's not even it. that. It's just the price differential plus shipping. I mean, you're you're losing out they're, there. They're the same price. Are they? Mm-hmm. They're not that. No, they're not that different. And Rococo is a better game. And Kraftwagen is overpriced. Maybe that guy is just, like, sick of Rococo. Maybe he's just played a lot of Rococo. That seems silly. Mm. Have you seen the fireworks? I'm so sure that I'm, maybe the guy that's getting Biblios from me thinks it, I'm insane, but, you know. Well, to trade it so close to the expansion coming out, he must not like it as much. Yeah. That's my thought. It's so good, and I need to have it on my shelf, and I feel really good about that trade. Best trade I've made in a while, so. That is a good trade. That is a good trade. All right, Dan. What have you been up to? Um, I traded two games I can't remember for Orin Labora. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly can't remember what they were. 
Wow. Consummate professionalism. Yes. You could probably just check your trades in Board Game Geek. One of them was Aaliyah Ayakta Est, which worked out because they just announced a reprint, so I can always get the new pretty one if I want it. That was a pretty cool dice game, but I'm okay with it. And I can't think of the other game, but it was one that wasn't getting played. And I got Orlet Labora, which is awesome because that one's been high on my list for a very long time and it's the new edition as well which is even better so i got that and then i also just sold my viticulture collector's edition for an insane amount of money i like viticulture i'm going to state that right now i think it's a good game i enjoy playing that game however every time i have played that game in the last six months to a year it has been someone else's copy i have i know four people who have this edition of the game and you know, I'm, I got almost $200 for it. So I was like, yeah, it was just one of those. I, yeah, I like the game, but I have plenty of outlets to play it. One of those people being SME. So it's not far away. I need to start buying and, these games to sit on for a little while. People go crazy for these things. Well, the, the, the reason being, I believe is because Tuscany will not be remade. Yeah. And I'm of the mindset that I just sold this and you know what I can do? I can go buy the essentials edition which is a much smaller box, fits on my shelf better. Same gameplay, minus a lot of the modules that, let's be honest, I'm not going to play with probably half of the modules. And this one has the pertinent modules in it, and it's, you know, 40, 45 bucks. So that, that's my thinking on this. Like, I like the game. I really like that edition. It's a beautiful edition, but it's just collecting dust because every time I, I wind up playing the game, it's someone else's copy. So, so you're buying drinks at Origins. Cool. All right, everyone find Dan. We know he's got money on hand. I buy drinks, whenever. <laughs> All right, everyone, that is Failed and Flipped. That's what we've been trading. That's what we've gotten in return. If you have any games that you've been trying to flip or you have flipped, let us know over in the Guild or any of our social media. We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to get right into that tagline contest. So come back to find out if you've won something awesome. All right, everyone, welcome back. It is officially time to get into our podcast tagline contest winners. We had a lot of fun with this. We appreciate everyone sending tweets and guild posts and direct messages and things like that. Uh, we had a lot of different entries. So here's how it's going to work. We have one person who is randomly going to be selected as a lottery for entering and they will win themselves a prize. And we have somebody who's about to be selected for having just an excellent submission. But before we, you know, reveal or decide who that person's going to be, let's chat about some of the excellent taglines we were provided because we've all we've dug through and people are people are funny, you know, people are funny people. And I think that they have a good understanding of what we needed from a tagline. Let's chat a few about a few of the ones that we we really liked. I mean, we had we had a good number of submissions. I'm surprised by how many we got. Uh, in particular, we need to give a shout out to Mr. Todd. Todd K, our, our good buddy, fan of the show, and uh, Chris Schreiber, because they went ham. They went crazy and submitted so many. They clearly had a good time 
probably like single-handedly kept me laughing for days because they submitted so many ridiculous things. Chris's were great because he gave like a a theme to each of them and like a rationale for why he did it. And then I was just, I was like, that's cool. This one's our elevator pitch. This one's rhyming. This one's our TV sitcom line. Like he just, if you go over to the guild and see, he clearly gave it a ton of thought and I commend him for a I, I told him I give him all the style points because he clearly thought a lot about giving us a tagline. Yeah, I, I was writing down ones from the guild. I started writing like who wrote them right afterwards, and then I had written Chris Schreiber about like twenty-seven times, and I was like, okay, I'm stopping. <laughs> Good job, yeah. guy. He did fantastic, and we got awesome submissions. You know, one in particular that I I liked that I didn't kind of put on my list because it didn't apply to me was uh, the podcast of nonsensical gamers longer than La Isla, but less green overall. That was Carl, right? Yeah, that's a throwback. I like that one. (laughs) It's a listener. (laughs) Appreciate your dedication and your reference to me. Weirder things have been discussed, but not by reputable podcasts. Hmm. I I voted for that one. Yeah, I liked a podcast that's frank and candid enough to actually say things. That's like that. That hits close to home, right? That's almost a real, a real tagline. That's a mantra. That's not a tagline. (laughs) That's how Dan lives his life. Like I'm gonna crap on your game if it sucks. Like that's my tagline. Well, well, you should have submitted, Dan. You know, can't win. It's in the freaking fine print. I don't know if it is in the fine print. So why don't we, like, should we tell them, like, how we voted, like, just so they have an idea? And we can go through some of the ones that we all kind of agreed on? Yeah, yeah, let's go. It's your contest, as you said, over and over and over. Well, I'm trying to (laughs) zoom my screen in right now. Hold on. (laughs) There's so many, they don't fit on the screen. Yeah, I'm trying to to resize so that I can get this stuff right. We have a giant spreadsheet with all of them in, and we each X'd the ones that we liked. Is how we exactly. So, you know, going down the line, I think that uh, we, I think there's a lot of value in everything is better with kazoos. Doesn't that just, you know, ring true? So good. Dan, you liked uh, at least 5% better than AM radio. Oh, I like that one too. Why didn't I vote for that? That's riddle. Yeah. A, podca- a podcast to clean your microwave to? <laughs> It's nonsensical, but I didn't understand it. So maybe this <laughs> makes it good. <laughs> no, I like that one because that's the kind of stuff I do when I'm listening to a podcast. So it was high praise. You were like, wait, is this a joke or is this actually what's happening while people listen to us? Yes, I'm sure. Every now and then, should we be like, oh, you missed a spot? Like just in the middle of recording and they'll be like mindlessly scrubbing. Oh, wait, yeah, you're right. I got you. Uh, I think one that stood out to me is I think it's my personal favorite to some extent, is Matt's show about his brother, Dan. Yeah, thanks a lot, whoever came up with that one. Can we just admit that that's pretty much what we do here? I mean... It's my favorite one. (laughs) (laughs) I did a capital Well, I'll just be over here in the corner then. Nobody submitted Dan's show about himself, Dan. I guess that would probably be an immediate one. I couldn't enter the contest. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of people played off of A League of Your Own or The League of Nonsensical Gamers, which is kind of cool because... We go by the podcast. I think they're pandering to Dan's love of baseball. Yes. Well, who... Many people did. Joe Pinchback did say I'm pandering, and he said Chris Davis is a handsome man, didn't he? Yeah, but that's not pandering, because I don't find him that attractive. Oh, well, (laughs) he tried. He failed at pandering. (laughs) Oh. What if our tagline was we open the show and we're like, welcome to the podcast of nonsensical gamers. Chris Davis is a handsome man. My name is Matt. And like, it doesn't. It works. It doesn't flow. 
Would people it's get that? It's nonsensical, though. Yeah, yeah. How about yeah. three authentic views on gaming? The one you wanted, the one you needed, and the other one. <laughs> what I want to know is which one of our opinions is the other one. Probably mine. Is it Tiff's? Nah, it's probably Matt's. Matt plays bad games. Matt plays bad games. Great. <laughs> <laughs> So Tiff's is the one you wanted and Dan's the one you needed, speaking the truth. Yeah, I think that's I think that's how that's supposed to go. Well, I'm unvoting for that if I'm the one, I'm the other one. We can both think that we're the one you wanted. I'm a little upset that nobody voted for sweetest buns in the pod verse. That made me laugh. I feel like it, I mean, I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty I good. Been, maybe, maybe a little bit better if he it said, like, he has buns for radio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, you know, one of the other standouts, I feel like they're all standouts. You've listened to the Dice Tower, you've listened to the Secret Cabal, now lower your standards. I feel like Todd, he just gets us. It's pretty true. I was the only one who voted for that, <laughs> but I loved it. <laughs> it made me laugh. I just don't think we could actually have that as a tagline. Well, they may come for us. That might be our ticket to stardom <laughs> by putting this, the dice tower and the secret cabal in our tagline. We could try it. Let's All just right. try it. <laughs> we might get some Google clicks. Our SEO might be better. Well, that's true. I still don't know how SEO works. I don't get how that. No one does. Just that's live. a made up thing. Uh, so I think it. You know, it comes down to we got a couple here that we all like, and we need to come to a consensus on it. So in terms of somebody who's going to win something prize worthy, I think we have three that we all agree. We on, all right? agree on Travis's submission of the podcast of nonsensical gamers. Yeah, they don't know what they're doing either. <laughs> <laughs> We have where uh, three authentic views on gaming, the view you wanted, the view you needed, and the other one. Fantastic. And we have, where's the last one? It's from Todd. It's, it's when it absolutely, positively has to be unprofessional. Which is, I again, might be more of a mantra than a tagline. Something we live by, if this episode has been any example. I kind of want to change that and and make it ironic and have it because when I first read it, that's what I thought it said. When it absolutely positively has to be professional, but either way, it works. <laughs> you could put "un" in parentheses. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> you cho- choose. You go which way you want to go. <laughs> we can start with the tagline when it has to be professional, and then you end the show with when it wound up being unprofessional. Yes. <laughs> When it absolutely positively ended up being unprofessional the whole time. I think there was one sleeper submission that slipped through the cracks uh, that Todd sent in, which was the podcast of Nonsensical Gamers, the best way for your four-year-old to learn the S-word, Dan. <laughs> I don't say it that long. Something along those lines. But uh, I don't think we should live by that one. So no. I think here, uh, you know, this is my contest, and we have a lot of cool prizes to win and we have a lot of cool people who have worked very hard so i you know you guys can say whether or not i'm crazy but in terms of people who should win should we just let everyone win should i just have a big extravaganza here that is nonsensical out of those three or everyone that entered one not everyone that entered oh that's what i thought you meant I thought you wanted to buy a house someday. No, yeah, no. I'm still I'm still saving a tiny bit of money, but you know, we'll just we'll fork over I say we fork over prizes. I fork over prizes to Mr. Chris Schreiber, to Todd, and to Travis. That sounds right. Yeah, yeah. I'm okay with it. All right. So you three, along with one other person who is our random lottery drawer, and that is number seventy eight, the mysterious DG. 
from the uh, BGG Guild number 2077, Dav817, and his or her submission of Abandoning Rational Thought for Gaming Goodness, which is actually another good one. I need all four of you lovely people to find a way to contact me, either through Twitter DM, and if we're not friends, then you let me know so I can follow you, so we can DM or through BGG, uh, or through my email. Find me, let's work out some details, and thank you, a thank you to everyone who submitted, because I think that all of these taglines are awesome. I think that it's clear that no single one is like the absolute winner, so we need to be using these all the time. I'm going to keep this rotating. We are going to start the show with one of these lovely taglines all the time, and ever, which, whatever way works best, I think. But which one gets to be the first? Oh, man. That's important. Uh, Sweetest buns in the podverse. Oh, of course. Mm-mm. No. You got a flat ass. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you know that makes me uncomfortable. You're shaped like a rectangle. Oh, we're having this conversation <laughs> again. <laughs> My body image issues aside, one day I'll be a square. <laughs> <laughs> just just want to be proportional, people. Anyway. Thank you, everyone, who submitted to the tagline contest. We hope that you had fun. We at least had fun, which, I mean, that's all we were going for anyway. Uh, So we've got four lovely winners. You all need to find a way to contact me. Go to the BGG Guild and look at the list of things. Tell me what you would like. I will find a way to get it to you, and we will move forward. And I think it's time to, uh, to take a break, and then we can move on to our Origins 2016 preview. Join us for that. All right, everyone, welcome back for our final segment of the show. It is our Origins 2016 preview discussion. We are going to chat a little bit about Origins. It is right around the corner, and we are going to be there, all three of us. We're going to be buying some games and playing some games, so uh, we're just going to chat about what's on our radar and what we think we will be doing. I think most importantly, we need to start by when are we going to be there individually? Dan, when are you arriving? Uh, Probably like First thing Wednesday afternoon. Yep. I think I'm going to leave early in the morning Wednesday and get there because uh, or- Origins technically doesn't start till Thursday, I don't think. I believe so, but, yeah. Um, it's always nice to get in, play some games, and be ready bright and early to, to rush the hall for those two games that I want. <laughs> <laughs> to elbow people out of the way. Well, you'll have to you'll have to pick up some games from Matt for sure. So yeah. So Tiff, you are also arriving with Dan, I believe. Yep, that's the plan. All right, I will be there. Unfortunately, Friday morning, Friday afternoon, like noonish, maybe a little later, because the school year does not end until that Thursday. I'm still working, and it will not end. But anyway. So uh, I will be fresh off the school year, be heading down with Kel and Steve, and we will be ready to rock and roll uh, to see some of the cool things at Origins. Now, speaking of cool things, Origins is not a huge convention. At least it's in terms of releases and newsworthy stuff. I mean, there's some cool things happening. A lot of demos will be going on. But in terms of games that we're rushing to buy, I think Dan alluded to it. There's not a whole lot out there. Um, So if you are joining us at the Columbus Convention Center on the week of the 16th, I believe it is. Uh, what are we all going to be running out and holding hands to buy together? Tiff, let's uh, let's see what's on your radar. Well, junk art is kind of a must-have. 
I um I love Flick 'em Up, and this is from those same guys, same kind of production values of that. It's a stacking game with a bunch of different variants in it, so I think it's going to be another game that's going to be great for Board Game Club. And I love stacking stuff. I just love it so much. Yeah, seventy bucks. Listen, wow, there aren't that many games to pick up. Like that's essentially all I'm buying. This is like your rationale for a dog stroller all over again. <laughs> and I would put it in the it. dog stroller and walk around Origins with it like it's my baby. I mean, I think if Flick'em Up is any example, it's clear that Pretzel Games is doing good work with their, uh, you know, fancy dexterity line. I think you're going to get a lot of good pieces. I hope they have a giant version like they had to Flick'em Up. That would be cool. But uh, this is also on my radar. I'm hoping that maybe I can get Tiff or Dan to buy me a copy because they're going to be gone by the time There's I get There's only going to there. be... 48 of them yeah. available not many yeah because i mean notoriously origins has been like let's get ready for gen con for a lot of these publishers so they're like they're only demoing a lot of their gen con releases yeah there's only a few true origins releases and then everything else junk art included is like a limited like what they could get from the factory they call it a teaser kind of release yeah it's a these teaser. quote teaser release yeah. so yeah um so i'm talking so i'll just keep talking uh, <laughs> there's a tagline yeah no, I was just saying. No, I'm just kidding. Um, from my my side of things on the buy, Guilds of London, I think that's first and foremost for me. This is the new uh, Tony Boydell, the guy who did uh, Ivor the Engine and Snowdonia and a couple of other games. Um, this is, again, another limited release. This is from TMG. It's going to be, I think they only have 100 copies coming in from China for this. So hoping to get one of those because um, I'd really like to play that. Uh, the next thing I really want and will be picking up is Arkwright. This is one that I've gone back and forth when it was in limited quantities after Essen and they announced a reprint and I was like, you know what? I'm going to just get it. So uh, really looking for that. That's like heavy, 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 like hardcore, which is right up my alley. And you're talking about expensive games, isn't that, you know, 100, 120 bucks or something crazy like that? I don't know if it's that expensive. I thought... I'm, <laughs> And, you know, I might be completely off, but I thought it was around like the $70 range. I think it was a hundred and something before, like from fun again, when it was limited quantity. Ah, I gotcha. Okay. Um, yeah, that makes sense. But I, I could be way off. Base. I heard that they retooled it a little bit, right? Yeah. It's got, it's got different modes and. Yeah. That's what I was saying is that the second edition was a little bit better. So it's good that you waited. We'll see. I'm not sure if it's better or worse, but it's, it's one that I really have wanted for a while, but I, I, which is unlike me, I held off. So I'm proud of myself. <laughs> um, and the other one I really want is Bear Valley, and that is the new Carl Chuddick game from Stronghold in their pocket line. So this one looks really cool. It's been getting some good buzz from the UK Games Expo that was last week. So That's on my list, too. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot of that. You guys are both interested in that, yeah. I like I like Chuddick games, at least the ones I've played. So yeah, I wanted to like Impulse. Unfortunately, I still haven't played my copy of Impulse. To be honest, I with haven't you. either. <laughs> but when you can't get through the rule book to learn it, it's one of the greatest rule books ever written. It's written in like third person. That's bizarre. <laughs> I'm hoping that Bear Valley is a little bit more comprehensible. Also, it's like wilderness survival card game. It's a pretty good theme. It's a good theme. You just don't see that a lot. Well, one of the things that I'm excited for that's I didn't realize was going to be available, but I was hoping it would be, is Imhotep, which is the 
recently nominated Spiel des game. And Cosmos actually pushed up the release in the US to Origins to have like this limited availability kind of thing because of the nomination. So it should be available to purchase and I'm hoping to get my hands on it. One, because I'm interested to try it. And two, because Cosmos games are usually a safe bet in my world. So I'm not really upset about, you know, if I don't think it's Spiel des Jahres worthy, I'm sure it'll be uh, still a solid game. Yeah, that one's on my list. We have a ton of overlap, mostly because there's just not that much. there's only like six games, yeah. (laughs) But I I don't know. I'm trying to decide which one I should like. I mean, not that Origins is one of those run for a booth kind of things, but if, if the two booths are far enough apart and... I get stopped by Dan's adoring fans along the way because I'll be traveling with Dan. (laughs) It might be Z-Man will probably be the closer booth, I believe. Right. No, I know. They were right inside the door last year. I think Imhotep is probably the one that I want more right now. I'm more curious about it. I watched some reviews. Yeah, I was going to say, I want to try it. I'm I'm not itching to buy it, but I want to try it. Junk art, I know I'll like, and I'll know I'll eventually get it. It's not like... I'll die if I don't get it at this convention. You could probably get it like 20, 30 bucks cheaper. I mean, if you waited like a month. That is true. It's going to come out. And, you know, that's something to consider when you're looking at that high price game, especially because if I want to buy it full price, I know that uh, our game store games and stuff got a huge influx of what am I trying to say? A huge influx of flick them up when it you know, right after it came out. So I assume that they'll probably be getting junk art too. So if I really want to pay full price, I could always just pay it to my game store and Give them I some think money? the thing that people will want is because it's a con, like that's a con game probably. Yeah. So people will be itching to play it at the con. You know, hopefully it's interesting. But I watched a I Tom Vassell review of it. He liked it. So it should be great. That's all Dan needed to know. <laughs> that's why I, I said I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to play this game now. He's glowing. <laughs> um, no, I think it looks interesting. I don't know if I'll like it more than Flick em Up because, you know, it's Western themed. But... It looks good. It looks solid. And it will be a fun con game. And I don't think I'm really bringing too many games to this convention. I'm tired of toting around games at conventions. That's fair. So I might just buy these three if I can, and that, that'll that be it. It's not like there won't be things to play, because everyone else will be towing their games. Right. Maybe Imhotep will be the new cacao. Ooh, and you'll play it 12 times. 12 so times many last times. Origins. <laughs> so our Origins wrap-up will be Dan sick of Imhotep. <laughs> be great maybe one record i like cacao i know you do i know you do one of the games on all three of our lists that's more on a kind of checkout thing because they're only going to have it for demo is yokohama and i hadn't heard of this game was this on your radar before looking at the list because it wasn't on mine yes i almost bought the hipster copy of it you didn't buy the hipster copy of it i would have bought the hipster copy of it. i that. almost i almost it sounds really cool. Yeah, but it had to come from Japan. Like, it was not a cheap... <laughs> right. It was not a cheap thing. you got to pay a little to be a proper hipster. Yeah, I understand that. But then I found out, like, literally, like, a day later that it was being kickstarted. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, eh. With, with English rules. <laughs> I read one of the only reviews that's currently on BGG, and it sounds like it's like an interesting Euro-style game, but that it's got a lot going on. Apparently, there's like a big handful of uh, mechanisms going on, and even the BGG list has it as card drafting, grid movement, route, and network building, set collection. Like, there's a lot going on, apparently. It seems really cool, though. It's, it's on my Kickstarter watch list. I always say I'll demo stuff when I go to these conventions, but I don't. 
Like I'd rather just play real games that don't tease me and I don't have to wait months for and stuff like that. Because there's plenty of stuff to play. Well, and I don't like, I don't know how you guys feel, but I don't like demoing big, long games at conventions. I always feel like I'm trapped at the table when I do that. I've done it a couple times and it's a mistake. Especially if they're not good. Or you or you get a bad demoer who like takes forever to explain the rules and you're like, what did I just get myself into? Right. What um what do you guys think about finally getting to see something about Calliope Games Titan series? I mean, the three games that they first announced will be there I've for demo. I've seen them. You've seen them? Oh, cuz you were at the Toy Fair? Yes. Yes. Well, you know, they're finally starting to surface around this time, whether it was at the Toy Fair or UK Games or now. You know, it's interesting that this big uh this big endeavor is finally coming to fruition a little bit. Are you are you excited to at least see like what they came up with from this weird ambitious project? I am curious to see if I mean I think Running with the Bulls is one of those games and I that's an interesting theme. I look through the ones that are out there and they look interesting. When I looked at the Kickstarter, I was like meh, but now I'm a little little bit more excited. Still not excited though. <laughs> yeah, they look good. Um, I saw. Some pre-release versions. Um, when I talked with the Calliope guys at New York Toy Fair, and they're they're well produced. They look good. Uh, one of them is Richard Garfield, a party game from Richard Garfield, which you know is going to have some kind of ingenious thing, which it does. It's about bees. Yeah, it's called Hive Mind. So you're basically it's a party game, but you're not trying to guess the same answers as other people on like certain questions. Uh, it's got a little twist in there, something along those lines. But it sounded it sounded interesting. Uh, it's kind of like it was kind of like the opposite of code names. In, whereas you're trying to get people to guess something based off your vague thing, but this one kind of had a feeling of you want to be different, but still you have to answer it. I I don't know. It's cool. Running with the Bulls was probably the most interesting for me of the three. The Menu Master was yeah. I don't know. That one seemed a little too too family oriented for me. Not that I don't play family games, but it just didn't it didn't have the appeal as the other two. Running with the Bulls had a really neat looking board and a couple of cool like mechanics. But and, it's dice. Yeah, but it was it was I liked the way they they implemented it. So I didn't say I was going to buy it. I just said it was interesting. <laughs> okay, Dan, I'm not trying to imply to the world that you might actually like dice or fun in any way. Yeah, no. Let's get that clarified. Yeah. We wouldn't get dare. out of here. Uh, uh, one I'm interested to check out, not maybe not demo, but at least have a look at it, is the Heroes of Land, Air, and Sea. This is like the first like big box game from Gameland Games. And this is Scott Holmes, who is hit or miss for me. But I'm curious to see how they do. It's supposed to be like a 4X game that plays out in like under 90 minutes. So again, just curious to see what they've got going on there. Not necessarily that I'm like jumping out of my pants to see it but um i can't jump out of my pants because i'm currently not wearing any oh there it is but um yeah so i'm, I'm cur- uh, like i said curiosity has gotten the best of me on this one a couple of other things that are on my uh well first i'm surprised that it's not called tiny epic heroes of land air and sea but anyway uh, a couple of things that are on my radar i'm hoping that blue orange has sixth which is a game where you it's an abstract game two player you're trying to move pieces around the board and stack them on top of each other as the pieces stack they change their movement patterns and they actually mimic uh, the chess movements and you're trying to like build a king which i believe is six high uh, it looks really cool it looks you know blue orange is 
notably family game light games but i've always been interested in what they have to offer last year they had some cool things with like dragon run and pro he's and things like that so sixth sounds like it could be up my alley as soon as i saw that i knew you would immediately have that on your <laughs> list it's on my list too i had checked it out back when it, it it's been released before under a different name but yeah i was like that's a mac game yeah yeah very <laughs> mac game. and i think they're gonna have it for purchase so hopefully i can snag a copy of that that'd be cool and a couple of the other games are i'm starting to see these kickstarters pop up and it seems like Origins is becoming that preview convention where people who have run Kickstarters or are running Kickstarters or are about to run Kickstarters have all grabbed booths and they've got their game and they're demoing. It's almost like, you know, got a lot of playtesting things going on. So one of the games is called Dreamwell, and this was a game that was floating around. I backed it. I backed that. You did back it. Oh, okay. It's got this crazy art style, which is really what they were kind of pushing forward. Um, and it's about, it's a it's a card laying game. You're trying to like complete card matches and move around this like gridded square board. I, I watched the Rado of it. Um, it seems a little bit light. It seems kind of quirky, but definitely unique. And I think that it draws the eye with the particular art style that they've gone with. It's very kind of dream world, um, like pastel blues and pinks. It's, it's really interesting looking um, and one that I kind of want to see in person. I almost backed it as well, but it just didn't quite click for me, but I'm excited to see it in person. Yeah, I've got two. There's two Sherlock Holmes games that are going to be there, which is always right up my alley. Um, Holmes, Sherlock and Mycroft, which is a two player game. It's got a little like worker placement mechanism in it. It's pretty cool. That's probably on my buy list if it was leaning anywhere. The other one, which I'm kind of in the middle on, is Beyond Baker Street. And this is like the Hanabi style game where you're trying to solve quote a mystery using cards in your hand that you don't know what they are etc so that's that's a try before i buy but obviously anything holmes will intrigue me i heard a couple good things about beyond baker street particularly that it's difficult like it's got a good challenge to it for being a co-op game so yeah i mean i love hanabi so any any kind of twist on that i'm up for trying tiff anything else on your radar um rocky road a la mode I, it's it's such a cute theme. You're selling ice cream out of a truck and you're trying to attract people to your ice cream truck. And there are multi-use cards, which caught my attention, and a time track. These are both things that I'm like, yeah, I will try that. Plus, it's by our buddy Joshua J. Mills. And the art is from Adam McIver. And it's from Green Couch Games. So those are all friends <laughs> of friends of ours. So... I don't think you can really go wrong, but it really does sound like a game that I would enjoy. Yeah, I've played it, and we're also going to be previewing it. So I think Jason's going to have copies with him. It'll probably be there in force. That'll be nice. Because I know they're kicks. I know they're kickstarting at the end of June. I'm sure they're going to be trying to get as much pub on it as possible. But it's 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 clever. It's quick. It's filler length. Of course it is. <laughs> yeah, it's green couch. That's what they do. Yeah, it's probably one of the heavier green couch games. As far as, you know, that's okay. <laughs> filler, filler plus it. Yeah, <laughs> that's but good. My kids always like those games. I'm sure this won't be an exception. Yeah, I saw that. Um, speaking of friends of the show, that new Bedford's going to be floating around, too, right? Finally get to see a copy of that. Should be exciting. Yeah, that's been floating around at a few conventions yeah. recently. I think it's supposed to ship June, July. So cool. Well, let's round out our Origins 2016 preview with the two most important questions. The first one is, Dan, are people going to be able to play your game? Yes, I will have uh, Supercell, aka Storm Chasers, aka whatever else I decide to call it. Uh, so if you want to play it, hit me up on Twitter or email or 
something along those lines, I'll have it probably with me every night at the Unpub area and during the day. So I actually just made a bunch of changes to it today and I'm really liking it. I guess the second most important question is, are we all open and willing to playing some games with people who want to play games, right? I assume. Mm-mm, no. No? Tiff says no. All right. Well, <laughs> Tiff. So don't... <laughs> Be sure to find Tiff, give her a hug, and then don't play games with her. Uh, make it a long, slow, drawn-out hug. Just a big old bear. Sorry, maybe even, like, drag your nails slowly oh, on her God. back. Kind of like, make it real Singly. as sensual as possible. She Thanks, likes Dan. That. Thanks. I really do appreciate you <laughs> encouraging people to harass me at the convention. And if you need me to show you how to hug Tiff, I will gladly do it As first. you leave her embrace, make sure you also, like, flick the hair her bangs out of her eyes, just like a soft, gentle caress. Yeah, now, well, now she prefers if you first put it behind her ears. Yes. And then How does he the know these things? <laughs> <laughs> I, I watch you, Tiff, carefully. <laughs> I have Tiff cunning. Ooh. <laughs> Now I'm so I wish you could see how uncomfortable I am. So this was a good show. Then. <laughs> like I'm, I started to sweat. I'm sweating, and I'm all red, and I know it. Yes, good job, Dan. Most importantly, find Dan so that you can find out where Tiff is hiding, and then you can engage in whatever you need to engage in. I'm gonna bring a whistle. <laughs> Say fire. It's more productive. <laughs> yes. I am leaving the door wide open, at least for me. If you want to play some games, you know, hit me up, find me, let me know if you're there. Uh, I will be there on Friday. I'd be happy to play some. I'm trying to get a game of Forbidden Stars going. I have at least two, maybe three players. So if you want in on that, let me know. Other than that, I'm keeping things wide. I thought you were only there for two days. So you're going to spend one whole day playing a game. (laughs) I'm going to sacrifice all of Friday to play Forbidden Stars. That's only like four hours. It's fine. We'll, We'll work it out. I don't know. That's cool. You, you're going to be playing Imhotep for the 13th time, so by the time I wrap up... I hope so. I'll let you know how Conquering the Galaxy goes. You let me know how Building Little Cube Towers goes. I've seen Imhotep in person. It's pretty cute. It is. Uh, yeah, so I think that uh, anything else we need to pass along to our lovely listeners before we wrap up the show here? I put up a new Ask an Gamer video. Excellent. What is it about? It's about buying games on a budget. I also made an Amazon list on a board game library under $100. That's awesome. I was trying to do that. You stole the idea right out from under me. It's fantastic. Don't step on my toes. I can't wait to go see it. (laughs) It'll be great for what you're doing. Is there a link to that in the YouTube? There is, in fact, a link. Tiff, you are killing it. I know. I get to end this show with a talk about how it was professional. (laughs) Just that one little piece. Yep, yep, yep. All right, everyone. I'm going to go ahead and close it out right here. That is episode 46 in the bag. We appreciate you all joining us. If you ever want to reach out to us, you can find us on places like Facebook by searching for the League of Nonsensical Gamers. Shoot us an email at podcast at nonsensicalgamers.com. Head over to the BGG Guild number 2077. Let us know what's up with Origins or ask for some geek gold for a tiny Meeple Shield micro badge or submit some questions to be answered because we're going to try to integrate those into the show. Find us on Instagram, hashtag nonsensicalgamers or follow our handles to see some cool pictures of board games. And if you like the show, if you enjoy our content, we would appreciate some iTunes reviews or some uh, Stitcher reviews or some Google Play reviews, things like that. Help us get noticed, help us improve the show. And you have no idea how much that is actually a true statement. It's not just part of my speech. Uh, It means a lot to us to get reviewed, to see the positivity, and to see the uh, constructive feedback so that we can fix the show. So thank you all for that. If you want to chat with us more personally... 
There is a wonderful place called Twitter that you can do that. And Tiff, if they want to reach out to you with a big internet hug, how mm. do they do that? I am at ineptgamer. And Dan, if they want to chat with you about game design or how to hug Tiff, where do they do that? Uh, at League Nonsense for the League's account or at Scandalous underscore Nad for my personal account where I don't talk religion or politics. Or gorillas. Too soon. Oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Too soon. You can find me at Cinnamon Buns spelled phonetically. Stupidly. And given the number of taglines that involved phonetic spellings, I think everyone likes it. I stand by it. Of course you do. <laughs> sure you do. <laughs> all right, everyone. That's, you have to. Cinnamon Buns was taken. That's true. <laughs> Thank you all for joining us. Say goodbye. Toodles. Bye. Bye.